This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And I'll open the show with a question for you, John, about one of last Sunday's NFL games. A desperate lateral play by the Cardinals in the final seconds resulted in a defensive touchdown for the 49ers, turning a four-point San Francisco lead into a 10-point win as time expired. The Cardinals were anywhere from a 10.5 to 13-point underdog throughout the week, but they closed at 9.5 or 10 at most books. Here's my question for you, John. If that touchdown at the end ruined your Cardinals bet, does that count as a bad beat, or is it just a bad bet because you had all week to get a good number and ended up betting a bad number? Uh, that's a good question. I would say that was such a ridiculous finish that it's a bad beat, not a bad bet. You know, the Cardinals obviously covered for – 59 minutes and 58 seconds and and some lost there only due to a meaningless touchdown. So, you know, if the game had played up more conventionally, I might say a bad bet to get the late number. But uh, that's a bad beat. All right. Yeah. And my feeling is of that it, it can be both, of course. Uh, you can make a bad bet that loses because of a bad beat. Uh, but, you know, last week in the Fast Five, you and I both took Arizona plus 11. Uh, and in the uh, company entry in the DraftKings Super Pool, we took them at 11 and a half. Um, so if someone bet them at nine and a half, uh, I don't know. I, that just That's a stay away there once the number gets uh, that low. Maybe I have a little sympathy for someone who bet them at 10. That's that's not a terrible bet. Uh, uh, and then, of course, the, the 10 bettors got an unlucky push out of it. Uh, but, no, you know. That, that game, that game. I mean, the Cardinals obviously were up 16 nothing. They right. dominated the game. It was a terrible – 49ers were a terrible bet to begin with. <laughs> Cardinals were a good bet, and they were right all the way through, and then the ridiculous touchdown. Which I, I needed like three replays on my DVR to confirm that that was actually a uh, not uh, uh, you know down on the 30 right. yard line or whatever. Right, that the knee um, and the NFL down. seemed to not even review it at all, which is ridiculous. But um, no, that's that just bad luck right there. Right. Well, classic case of the it didn't impact the who wins or loses the game, but does impact the betters. So the the NFL uh, apparently didn't care as much about getting it right as they would have uh, if it impacted the uh, the records of the teams involved. But you know, all that said, it's a good reminder to never bet money you can't afford to lose because you can have a perfect read on a game and then have something ridiculous happen at the end. You know, and in the long run, those things even out. But there is no long run if you bet your whole bankroll on one game. Uh, and, and now I'll stop with the public service announcement. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 66 of Gamble On. I'm sure our Pittsburgh-based colleague Gary Rotstein is wearing his Mario Lemieux jersey today in honor of episode 66. If you missed any of our previous 65 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud and on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app. 
please take a few seconds out of your busy day to go onto the app and give us a rating and review. We're needy people, and we crave those five-star ratings that let us know we're loved. Uh, speak for yourself, Eric. <laughs> uh, well, on the needy part, uh, the five-star rating, though, you're, you're good on that. Okay. Um, so coming up a little later on the show, we're going to be joined by our colleague, Robert Delafav. Uh, he's the director of content for Better Collective Tennessee, our parent company. Uh, he'll make history by becoming the first three-time Gamble On guest. Uh, I'm sure we have a prize for him somewhere. But uh, <laughs> Robert lives in New Jersey, but spent some time over the summer living in Pennsylvania. Uh, he's sampled the sports betting and online casino options in both states. And he's going to talk with us about how they differ and various other gaming legalization topics. But first, uh, yes, it's been yet another busy news week in the world of gambling. So let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Last week, we talked about October revenue reports out of New York and Indiana. This week, we have a couple more to discuss as New Jersey numbers came out last Thursday and Pennsylvania released its report on Monday. And both states set records for sports betting handle. In New Jersey, the October handle was $487.9 million, producing revenue of $46.4 million, nearly a 10% hold for the sports books, helped in no small part by Mattress Mac dropping seven figures in New Jersey last month. Uh-huh. As usual, uh, online betting checked in at about 85% of the handle. And as usual, FanDuel Sportsbook led the way. In Pennsylvania, meanwhile, Handle shot up 24% month over month to about half of New Jersey's figure, $241.2 million, with 82.4% of that coming online. And FanDuel also dominated in Pennsylvania, controlling 57.3% of the online betting market, while somewhat surprisingly, FoxBet can't gain any traction, finishing fifth out of five digital sports books in the state. John, which numbers stand out to you? And do you think New Jersey will cross the half billion mark in handle in November? Well, I was at the Meadowlands racetrack to uh, watch uh, Mattress Mac lose that million bucks <laughs> at FanDuel Sportsbook, technically yep. on it at, on their online app, but uh, he was there to, uh, I guess, get some publicity, and and it worked. So, um, but you know, for New Jersey, a lock to go over 500 million next month, no question. Uh, a full month of NBA makes up for losing postseason baseball action mm. from October, even with Mattress Mac, because that's only a million plus. So, <laughs> I think they can get over losing him. Uh, now, Pennsylvania has, I think, 50% more people in New Jersey, has half the handle of New Jersey, even though a similar percentage of bets are being made online. Um, now my head hurts. Can you do the math for me there? <laughs> what, what do you need to know? I'll, uh, I, I, I could uh, plug it into the calculator that's on my phone that is uh, has replaced actually kids leading, needing to learn math these days. So. Yeah. Well, Pennsylvania <laughs> seemed to be getting the fact that the online is an option and they're they're gravitating toward it, but right. they're not betting very much money yet. Yeah. And I, I don't know, you know, obviously we hear all the time about all the New York bettors heading into New Jersey or heading just over the bridge into New Jersey to place their bets. And so th- that gooses the New Jersey number a little. But uh, yeah, I, you, you would think Pennsylvania might be closing that gap a little faster than they are. We'll, we'll see where it all shakes out a few months from now and whether 
at some point next year, Pennsylvania passes New Jersey. But yeah, at this point, Pennsylvania is trending in the right direction. But despite the bigger population, yeah, they're still trailing pretty far behind New Jersey at this point. And we don't have uh, Nevada's October figures yet, I should note. Uh, But we generally assume New Jersey will be in second place behind Nevada for October since Nevada did over $500 million in handle in October 2018. Uh, But I guess we'll, we'll know for sure on that front soon. Uh, you know, former Delawarean uh, Joe Asher, now this uh, William Hill U.S. CEO out mm-hmm. in Las Vegas and a huge Golden Knights fan. Um, he is uh, on a bit of a mission to make people call the state Nevada, which is what they say out there. Nevada as opposed yes. to Nevada. What did I say? Yeah. Or did I do some of both? Because I feel no, like every, everybody, everybody east of the Mississippi says Nevada. And he is uh, pretty much on a mission to make us all say Nevada. That's what all they right. say. I'll work also, on Oregon, that. It's also Oregon. I've I been was there. I was yeah. just about to to give my Oregon anecdote that uh, my first day of college I met a kid from Oregon and I called it Oregon and he said it's Oregon yeah. and I've I've gotten that one right ever since. Okay. But Nevada Nevada I struggle with. Okay. <laughs> um, two other quick notes on Pennsylvania though. Um, first is that. DraftKings will show up on this report next month, and I don't think anyone expects them to come close to FanDuel right out of the gate, but it will be interesting to see if they at least shoot straight to number two. Um, I'm not convinced they will since they have all the same odds and markets as, as Play Sugar House and Bet Rivers, so there's not a lot of reason for people with those accounts to open another one at DraftKings uh, other than the deposit bonus. Um, And the other thing worth mentioning is uh, just online casino numbers where everything went topsy-turvy. Play Sugar House went from number three of three in September to number one of three in October, and I'm not sure what changed, while Parks had about a 50% drop-off in online casino revenue from month to month. Um, And and then it'll be interesting next month to see how PokerStars online casino fits into that picture. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, we just uh, combined Pennsylvania and New Jersey into one news item. Now let's do the same with two states that don't have sports betting. Uh, but boy, would it be a big deal if they did. California and Florida. In California, a coalition of at least 18 tribes filed a proposal for a constitutional amendment to legalize sports betting that would be put on the ballot in November 2020. Clearly the most important thing anyone will be voting on in the November 2020 election. Uh, (laughs) Meanwhile, state lawmakers have also been working on organizing a hearing to discuss sports betting. So we have two competing approaches here. Uh, The most important detail is that the tribe's proposal reportedly doesn't mention mobile betting. So to borrow the name of a show set in California, curb your enthusiasm. Uh, In Florida, meanwhile, Republican Senator Jeff Brandis filed a trio of bills Monday to allow for mobile sports betting run by the Florida Lottery, although industry expert John Holden told our colleagues at Sports Handle that the bill has, quote, virtually zero chance of passing because the Seminole tribe is not on board. But at least Florida is talking about sports betting. What do you think, John? Do either of these developments in Florida or California count as progress? Hmm. Well, you know, for California, nothing will happen without the tribes buy-in there. Uh, so that's a start. Um, but it sure looks as if they want to add a, like a modest amenity to their brick-and-mortar casinos, which isn't really helping the California taxpayers' bottom line. Um, and while racetracks could offer the betting under their proposal, card rooms, which are a really big deal in California, if nowhere else, um, they would not. So that's an issue. Um, bonus points, no betting on California college sports either. Um, UCLA, USC, kind of popular. And right. there's a, another uh, sports team or two there in college. Um, so if this gets on the ballot, I want to move there and be a lobbyist because that's the sure bet there for making money. Uh, <laughs> it, it'll be big. 
eventually. Um, now, in Florida, nothing will happen without the Seminole tribes buy in. So this isn't even a start, uh, as Holden notes. Um, and as much as I have chronicled New York's confused state, uh, having just visited the struggling Catskills Casino on Wednesday, uh, I'm convinced that they feature statewide sports betting and mobile before California, Florida, or Texas, the other big three, ever leave the starting blocks. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, certainly uh, as far as Florida goes, yeah, all, all of the experts I've seen quoted have said that the Florida bills are futile. And if anything, this just antagonizes the Seminole tribe. So feels like we're going nowhere fast with that. Um, but yeah, California, this this could be the start of something. Um, I would say legal sports betting in California as soon as 2021 seems possible. Uh, whether mobile will be a part of it by then, I can't say. Um, but if so, whenever that comes, as Matt Peralt told us several weeks ago on the pod, that represents the first serious threat to Nevada, and it will force Nevada to innovate on sports betting for the first time in quite a while. So this is a big story. The mere fact that California is kind of sort of getting the wheels in motion or, or at least warming up the car, uh, that it's, it's important news that they're at least floating ideas out there. Uh, I don't think Nevada has anything to worry about just yet. <laughs> Did I say Nevada again? I, I'm not even sure. I can't even tell what I'm saying anymore. Maybe I should just refer to it as Las Vegas and ignore the rest of the state. <laughs> there you go. Um, speaking of Las Vegas, uh, Las Vegas' uh, favorite son uh, of the moment, uh, although he's not from Las Vegas, but he lives there. He's the subject of our final news item this week. Uh, and he is not only Las Vegas' favorite son, he is America's favorite sports better, James Holzhauer. Uh, he just won himself another $250,000 on Jeopardy and might be in line for more very soon. Uh, James won the Tournament of Champions uh, and his rematch in the finals with his previous conqueror, Emma Betcher, although it was close as James needed to get Final Jeopardy correct on the second night of the finals to win. And in a sense, Emma has now beaten him in two of the three games they've played, although, again, the overall Tournament of Champions title and the quarter million bucks went to James. And now the big news. Uh, here comes the showdown Jeopardy fans have been waiting for. It's been announced that in January... On ABC in primetime, the three all-time top Jeopardy money winners, Holzhauer, Ken Jennings, and Brad Rutter, will square off in a multi-night affair to determine the Jeopardy GOAT. The format is complicated, but I think the way it works is that it's a series of two-day matches like the Tournament of Champions Finals, and the first to win three two-day matches wins, and that winner takes home a million bucks. Uh, John, what did you think of James's performance in the Tournament of Champions? And would you bet on him in this prime time event if you had to lay a price on him? Yeah, I caught the middle of the first night and saw James was mopping the floor with his rivals. Um, he's just a machine. He'll make mincemeat out of Jennings and Rudder. I don't even know who Rudder is, but uh, I'm sure he's great <laughs> at the show. Uh, unless one of them lucks into the proper categories. You know, I noticed that neither James, Emma, nor the other rival there were able to come up with the question, who is Michael Avenatti on uh, night one? Um, some might right. say that's a sign of extraordinarily good mental health and sort of <laughs> you know, proper context of their life. Um, but if James sees like contemporary American hucksters uh, pop up as a category in that uh, uh, showdown, uh, he might just wince a little bit. <laughs> it, it's funny uh, that w you, you bring that one up because uh, and, and just how quickly people go in and out of the public consciousness. But okay. I, uh, you know, I was, I followed the Stormy Daniels and Michael Avenatti stuff fairly closely. And I saw the question, I'm picturing the guy in my mind. And I, it took me, <laughs> it took me, it took me right until like, 
a second before the the little beeper went off before I could think of his name. So, uh, yeah, out of sight, out of mind a little bit, I guess, uh, with, with guys like that. But, um, you you're definitely a little uh, more confident, uh, maybe a lot more confident in, in James going into this th- than I am. First, I'll note that it's a, a shame that the primetime special uh, isn't going to be on live. It's going to be recorded in December. Uh, if, if it were live, that would be great for betting on first chance to like do like in-game Jeopardy betting uh, and see how that yeah. goes. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how James will have a buzzer advantage because he's younger and he's in Jeopardy shape, which I guess is kind of a thing. Uh, And the (laughs) other guys could be rusty. Um, But I think he showed some chinks in the armor in the Tournament of Champions. Uh, The the first of the two games, he looked good. The second one, he he struggled. Um, I wouldn't bet him at minus money against these two. I think he's the favorite of the three, but not to the point where... He's better than fifty percent to win, in my opinion. So uh, maybe uh, maybe you and I could get a little side bet going uh, at, at the start of it that uh, you, you get James and I get the other two guys or something like that. Yeah, that could be. Remember when we had James on our uh, our show? Uh, plug what the episode number was that? I forget. But uh, look it up. You can find Campbell on <laughs> right. James. Uh, no, I, I asked him specifically a buzzer question, and he mentioned that he was not that great at the buzzer. Uh, he learned from a tutorial or something on a video, and he claims that. Cam- is much better at the buzzer than him. I think he was sort of uh, slow playing that a little bit too. Yeah. But yep. but but I I kind of believe that uh, Ken is a little bit better at the buzzer, and I'm not sure James will catch up. So that's that's an issue there. So you might have something there to your uh, your overall bet. Right. Although buzzer issues aside, I do wonder, I mean, Ken Jennings is, was every time he was interviewed during Jeopardy, James's initial run, he talked about how his by not having been on Jeopardy recently and trained for it, his mind is, does not work as quickly as it used to, both through a combination of, of aging that he's just not quite uh, firing on all cylinders the way that he did when I think he was in his late 20s or 30 or so when he was on initially. Um, but uh, on top of that, just you know, being in that rhythm and that practice and studying trivia all the time that James has some advantages over him there. But I assume he will be cramming for this exam to some extent. Hey. He's pleading poverty, too, so that's a nice job by both of them. <laughs> right. And poor Brad Rutter uh, can barely get mentioned by us since neither of us really watched him on Jeopardy. But apparently he's good. So I'm sure he is. All right. Oh, before we wrap up the news segment, just a quick note that a major story broke on Wednesday night, uh, shortly before our Thursday morning recording time, that William Hill is acquiring CG technology, meaning that in Nevada, did I pronounce it right? Nevada? Uh, <laughs> William Hill will now take over operation at the sports books at the Cosmopolitan, Venetian, Palazzo, Tropicana, Silverton, and Palms, uh, and also at Atlantis Resort in the Bahamas. William Hill's statement didn't say much. We don't have a lot of details yet. So I expect that on next week's pod, uh, when because of Thanksgiving, we'll have a shortened news week, we'll go a little deeper on this. But uh, any immediate reactions to share, John? Uh, I would just say that you will not believe what we have to say about this in episode 67 of our podcast (laughs) next week. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. Online casino, online poker, online sports betting, if it's a form of legal online gambling, 
Robert Delafave has risked money on it and written reviews of the sites where he did it. The Better Collective Tennessee Director of Content lives in New Jersey, but spent a good amount of time in Pennsylvania a few months ago when the online sportsbooks and online casinos were launching. And he's here now to compare and contrast the two leading online gaming states, while at the same time making history by becoming our first three-time guest. Robert, welcome once again to Gamble On. Thanks for having me back, guys. Good to be here. So as we've discussed on the podcast, uh, the rollout of online casino games in Pennsylvania was very slow at first and hasn't progressed much since. Uh, There aren't a lot of table game options, and you mostly see all the same net end slots on the various sites. Are you surprised by how much better the options are in New Jersey than in Pennsylvania? And just what was your experience playing the games in Pennsylvania like? Were, were you satisfied with the games we do have? So to answer the first part of your question, um, I'm a little surprised, yeah. From what I know, this is an issue with the vendors getting licensed. And by the time the New Jersey market was, you know, the same age as Pennsylvania, which is about four or five months in now, it had a lot more games as far as I remember. So to see like a real smattering of two dozen, four dozen games on these sites, it's a little disappointing. And I'm kind of curious why it is. Did these vendors, were they lackadaisical with their applications because of the 54% tax rate? They're saying, ah, we don't need to rush on this. It's not really a great market anyway. Or is the approval process in Pennsylvania just that lazy or strict or what have you that maybe they didn't um do their due diligence and and we're having some issues with it now but um i am surprised that there aren't more games on these sites and i think we will see them come up soon some sites are starting to spread the wealth a little bit around the uh, game lobby but um it has been slow and the new sites are only launching with uh, an average of about 40 games But as far as my experience, you know, I was there for about a month and we did get to uh, peruse the uh, three sites that were live at the time, which has expanded slightly since. And, you know, like I had a good experience overall. I have to admit, you know, one of my fears going in was that the games were going to be terrible. The odds were going to be terrible. And for the most part, you know, you got the net end games for the most part, some IGT games and some exclusive titles and the returns on them were pretty good. They were much better than the land-based casinos, which average around 89-90% for their penny slots. And these were hovering more around 95-96, which basically means for every dollar you put in, you expect to get 95 or 96 uh, cents back. And, and that that's about on par with New Jersey. So I, I like that operators are not going too far out of their way to kind of lower the odds. Um, where we did see the, the drop-off is kind of in the bonuses and the promotions, which definitely were not as good as New Jersey. This was an expected result, in my opinion, and I'd rather see the drop-off there than in the games themselves because, okay, you lose a, you lose some EV on a, a first-time bonus. That's That sucks, but it's not the end of the world. But if you're losing EV throughout your playing life cycle, that's going to hurt a player a lot more. So I kind of like how they did it. Right. 
right. And uh, Robert, let's talk about another state next to uh, your New Jersey and my New Jersey. Uh, New York, New York. <laughs> Two million in sports betting revenue last month versus 46 million for New Jersey. So New York wants to get sports betting revenue. They like sports betting. They legalized it in four upstate casinos and two versus 46. So I don't know if you have any thoughts or theories on why the heck they're in the box they're in. And uh, do you know anybody impacted by this? And what's the what's the fallout from from the way New York has done this? Well, I'm not sure they really want sports betting revenue based on how they're <laughs> yeah. doing it. Um, they, maybe they want a little bit because that's what yeah. they're getting. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this is not an unexpected result. Like, take the 46 million from New Jersey and how much of that came from online. And we hover around 85%. And if you take away 85% of $46 million, you're left with a number that is still bigger than that New York figure, but it's actually kind of proportional to the amount of casinos that have uh, land-based gambling, uh, land-based sports betting, rather. I think there's, what, three in New York and um, around nine or ten in New Jersey. So on a casino-per-casino basis, is it really doing that poorly? Well, yes, but it's not as, (laughs) as bad as we might think. Now... You have to understand something about these New York casinos, too. They are not uh, very popular. And, John, I know you've written about this, especially uh, resorts uh, in the Catskills. This is a failing casino. And it's you go in there, and it's beautiful, but it's a ghost land. I've been there several times. They're really trying to buy people right now. Like, And I'll even tell the uh, listeners, you go there once, gamble a little bit, you'll be getting offers for months. And they are not small offers. They're good free play offers, watches, whiskey, everything you can imagine. They're, they're just throwing it at players and still no one's going. So these sports betting revenue, it's not an unexpected result. I, I think the casinos are too far from the New York City area to be relevant because you have the Meadowlands within a stone's throw of New York City. It's not a good environment right now. Online is going to change that entirely if it ever comes to be. And I would expect sports betting revenue to go up 20-fold. As far as people impacted, I think we're still having New York people, New York City people come across the border to uh, FanDuel uh, Meadowlands, which itself is not the smartest book. It's not the best laid out book I've ever seen. But it's there, and it's a, it's in a real mecca of a of, of a population. So they're going to keep continuing to go there over the Catskills, over rivers, until there's online. Yeah. yeah now I'm realizing I was up there yesterday at the Catskills, and uh, I didn't bet anything, so I, I didn't help the cause. And I'm coming to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> If they, if, I was just going to say, if they knew the amounts that you did bet, they wouldn't feel like they're missing out on much anyway. It would have been a good test to see if they really give everybody these promotions or only, <laughs> yeah, the, that's true. only the whales. If you get $100 in free play off a $2 wager, now you know you're going to be going back there. All right, enough about New York. I'm going to redirect the conversation back to my state, Pennsylvania. Uh, now, Poker Stars has only been up and running uh, in Pennsylvania for a little over two weeks, uh, but... From the start, it's been drawing better traffic than poker stars in New Jersey. Uh, Robert, do you, do you think that that's sustainable, or is that just uh, early excitement combined with the lack of online poker competitors in Pennsylvania? Yeah, um, it, it might be sustainable for a while. I think in New Jersey, you had three operators launch at once, and traffic was really high in the beginning, but it dropped off pretty quickly. It regained a little steam when PokerStars launched again in 2016, 
And then that dropped off. So if you look at those trends, everything kind of says, okay, poker stars, it's, it's just a hype right now. It's going to drop off in a couple months. But because it's the only operator in the state and because it's a bigger population and there's really a poker fever in Pennsylvania that from what I've witnessed, you know, they're very, they're very enthusiastic about their poker. There a very, uh, several good poker rooms. I think this is going to last a while and we need it to last long enough for New Jersey and Pennsylvania to, uh, combine their player pools. Because I think once that happens, then you have something at least that could resemble sustainability. Yeah. But um, it's interesting because it, it, it really speaks volumes about how many poker sites are viable within the state. Like New Jersey was just way too many. They had four or five at one point, and it was completely unsustainable. The traffic was all getting fragmented. You couldn't have a good fast-fold environment, which is a big money maker for for operators and, and very popular among players because it was too fragmented. So in Pennsylvania, we might see that. We might see the fast fold. We might see, you know, spin and go environments that last 24 hours a day, cash games that run across a variety of stakes. I always say in poker, liquidity begets liquidity. So if the liquidity is all concentrated on one site, then it's going to draw more people. And it's actually... Even some of the people I've spoken to in New Jersey, they're traveling over to Pennsylvania right now to play hmm, because the games are good. They're getting their bonuses, and it's just, everything's better about that market, whereas the New Jersey market's dead. So I think in the current environment, PokerStars will never dip as low as it does in New Jersey, but some some dip is inevitable, yes. Okay, and, and, and to mirror what John was saying about uh, his uh, theoretical contribution to the New York sports betting economy, <laughs> I wanted everyone to know that I am really keeping the 5 and $10 heads-up hyper uh, sit-and-go economy uh, at Poker Stars Pennsylvania in business. You're just keeping that going until the spin-and-goes come out, right? That's the, Exactly. It's the closest thing I've got to spin-and-goes right now. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, now, Robert, I, I've asked other guests this, too. Um, you know, looking nationally, I think we have 14 states now legal in sports betting. Four more pretty much are there. District of Columbia is pretty much almost there. Um, so about a year, year and a half out, you know, is that number, is that impressive? Is that disappointing? Is that just right? What do you think? When you're in the online casino business for as long as I have been, anything resembling a double-digit amount legalizing in, in a year and a half is is, is overwhelming you know i had a deal with uh you know the uh new jersey in 2013 and then vapor for four years don't forget delaware (laughs) (laughs) you have to have a good laugh about that (laughs) but it it is impressive and i don't think it's too unexpected no what i would say it's actually a little disappointing in terms of the ratio of (laughs) full-fledged online to the entire market. I think, you know, you have New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, good, you know, good burgeoning market there, West Virginia, but not much beyond that. So until these states get their act together and stop legalizing these ridiculous bills where there's either no online or in some ways even worse is in-person registration for 18 months, 12 months, two years or what have you, and get rid of these horrible licensing fees there or recurrent fees like like Tennessee has Illinois is looking is going forward with that's been disappointing to me I think sports betting is a loss leader at worst and, and with small margins at best so I think 
legislators have to change the way they look at it. But in terms of number of states, it, it's it's very um, telling about the appetite for sports betting in the U.S., yes. Yeah, I, I just think, too, the, the big four states obviously uh, are not going anywhere. Um, California and Texas, New York and Florida. Uh, well, New York, yes and no. Um, you know, so until they're all either in or or uh, completely in, really, uh, the percentage of the population that has a full, you know, volume of sports betting options is uh, is going to be inherently limited. Um, you know, some of the states are fairly large that have approved, but um, without those big four, you don't get the big national numbers that, that could be there. Right. We're losing. Yeah, we're losing 100 million plus people in just those uh, just those biggest four or five states. And I know there's some rumblings in Florida. but Most people aren't taking those very seriously. Uh, New York will do it eventually. And that's going to be a turning point for the market. But when is that eventually going to be? It's not anytime soon. Yeah, I think it's I, New York shapes up as the turning point for sports betting, for online poker, you know, that there are a lot of things that if and when New York comes on, on board, it really just shifts the paradigm for, for that that whole vertical. Right. I think we can throw Michigan in there as well, too. I think that's going to be, if it does online poker, if it does sports betting, that's that's a 9000000 million-plus population. So that would also be another moderate victory for the industry. Right. But yeah, as, as you said, though, after spending several years uh, with just New Jersey and uh, the forgettable Delaware uh, oh. to, to, to see. Well, that, I mean, that's basically uh, he forgot about Delaware. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm not right. saying that I can. I didn't forget. forget. I failed to mention. <laughs> OK, fine. <laughs> uh, but, you know, compared to that, even though you're right, John, that we don't have these big states, uh, just to see this many small to medium states getting on board with something is uh quite unlike what happened uh, in, in, you know, five, six years ago. Um, all right. Well, uh, it's been uh, great talking to you, uh, Robert, and uh, congratulations uh, again on setting the new record for Gamble On appearances. And uh, perhaps uh, we'll have you back again soon to uh, extend and shatter the record. Well, that sounds great, guys. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, Robert. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to the Fast Five shortly, but first we update our betting bankroll, and there are three headlines this week. Oh, oh wait, wait, do we have to do this, really? <laughs> I'm we afraid just... we do, John. It's uh, We are <sighs> we are duty-bound uh, right. to report the facts to the listeners. <sighs> uh, so first uh, headline is that, simply put, it was a bad week for us. We went one and three. We lost money. Uh, second, my friend John had his second straight <laughs> 0-2 college football week. So as we discussed last week, a break from betting on that sport, uh, which I don't follow at all. So I never have a clue whether his picks sound good or not, but, uh, but a break is in order. Uh, and third, the uh, Thursday night football player prop streak lives. Uh, I'm now at eight in a row, which means wow. I'm two away from Darren Ravel writing a feature story about me or something like that. Uh, quick breakdown of the bets. Uh, James Washington went over 35 and a half receiving yards. We won a hundred dollars there. I had the Chiefs over 27 and a half points and they had 24 in the third quarter and I was feeling mm. good and then they never scored again. So we lost $110 there and neither Michigan State nor Oklahoma uh. covered for John. So we lost $220 combined on those. That means we dropped 230 this week. We're now only up by $289. We also have $2,427 on hold in futures bets. So that leaves us with $7,862 available to bet this week. 
And you're up first, John, and please tell me you're not betting on college football. <laughs> yeah, I actually checked the audio of last week's show, and I will live up to my words, no college football. So okay. um, they say bet right what you know, and I think bet what you know, right? Uh, in August, I finished off a victory in a 30-week-long PGA Tour contest against 12 esteemed rivals of mine. Um, so maybe I know that. Um, there are very few fall events, honestly, worth even glancing at But uh, in golf. But this week's an exception for the RSM Classic in Sea Island Resort, Georgia. Uh, it's a good field, really. Um, so I'm looking to finally win some money. So give me former FedEx Cup champ Billy Horschel to finish in the top 20. Just 112 to win 100. Uh, Billy is super streaky, and he's streaking well of late with top 10s in three of his last five. So let's give that a shot. All right. You do have a good track record in golf. So, uh, all right. I'm, I'm going with it. As, as long as it's not college football, you have my full support on this. <laughs> okay. um, this is a tough week for the Thursday night NFL player prop. It's Colts at Texans. And as of Thursday morning, we don't know if T.Y. Hilton is playing. We don't know if Eric Ebron is playing. So there are basically no Colts receiver props listed. And as much as I'd like to take the over on Jacoby Brissett passing yards against this Houston pass defense, I can't do it if I don't know who he's throwing to. Uh, so this is a week when, in real life, I think I'll skip betting a player prop. But for the podcast and the streak, uh, I have to give it a shot. So give me the over on Deshaun Watson's rushing yards. He's listed at 25 and a half. And here are his last six games. Uh, last week against Baltimore, he only ran for 12 yards. Before that, 37, 46, 32, 42, 47. So five of the last six weeks, he was at 32 or higher. And the line is only 25 and a half. Um, and you attack the indie defense in the air. So they will be calling passing plays. It only takes a couple of scrambles to get past 25 and a half. This is not the most confident I've ever been in my Thursday night player prop, but I'm going with it. 112 to win 100. Deshaun Watson over 25 and a half rushing yards. All right. I'm in on this uh, player prop thing now. Uh, I hit three or four of those on uh, in real life on Monday night. Okay. Uh, I only lost uh, Tyreek Hill scoring a touchdown, which is tough when you miss the last 50 minutes or so of the game. <laughs> right, so, right. Three out of four is not bad. Um, so I expect the under Hopton to score a touchdown against the Colts, uh, given that I only have to give I'm given 100 to win 105 that he does. Uh, Texans may dominate time possession. Colts don't have the running backs. Uh, they may not have the receivers. Um, that gives Hopkins plenty of opportunity. So uh, but I could be wrong. No, that's 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 a good bet. I, I like that one. Yeah, maybe. Uh, hmm. I, I, does it count? Does the streak stay intact if my bet loses and yours wins, and we still got a Thursday night player prop right? Does that count? Yeah. No. <laughs> guess not. All right. Um, so for my second bet here, uh, I don't believe we've ever done a teaser before on the podcast, but I've been doing them in real life this NFL season with success. I'm three for three, combining three or four teams in games with wide lines uh, where I get to move the lines. Um, so here's what I'm thinking this week. I'm going to do a three team seven point teaser that pays plus 120 at FanDuel. The Saints are favored by eight and a half against Carolina. So move that seven points. We get that down to Saints minus one and a half. Uh, the Dolphins are plus 11 at Cleveland. We get that all the way up to plus 18. And the Cowboys are plus six and a half in New England. We get that up to 13 and a half. Have to go three for three, of course. Uh, but at those new lines, I feel confident risking $100 to win 120. Hopefully my teaser luck on the pod proves better than my parlay luck has proven uh, over these many months. Yeah, I am curious as which of those three teams is going to kill you. I, <laughs> I think I think it's going to be the Saints, but uh, we'll see. Hmm. So, uh, you, you, I mean, if at down to one and a half, that basically means uh, Carolina winning outright. Uh, they might. So, yeah, 
It's possible. One all it takes is one out of three letting me down. But uh, no, we'll it's see. gonna happen. I'm just curious which team it is. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Ye of little faith. Uh, and we close things out with the fast five. Uh, and it was an interesting week. Uh, John, you won our lone head to head with the Bengals <laughs> covering in Oakland. Uh, but I went three and one otherwise, and you went two and two otherwise. So we both finished three and two, and we remain almost in a dead heat with six weeks to go. My record is 29, 23, and three. Yours is 29, 24, and two. And I'm up first this week. Um, Tough slate here, in my opinion. Not a lot of obvious picks jumping out at me. I know the Sharps are on the Eagles, especially at minus one and a half. They're minus two in the Super Contest, though. And I don't know what skill position players will be available for the Eagles. So I'm staying away from that one. Here are my five. Um, First, I like the Broncos getting four points at Buffalo. Denver is showing signs of life. And the Bills... Maybe they're not quite as bad as you've been saying they are, John, but they really aren't any better than middle of the pack. That's pretty clear. Um, I think Denver can at least keep this close, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them win outright. Uh, I might have a little money line money down already on that one. So I'm taking the Broncos. Uh, Next up, words that I hate to utter. I'll take the Giants. Uh, The Bears just aren't good. Trubisky isn't the answer. Matt Nagy isn't sure what to do with him anymore. Poor Bears fans. They don't get to suffer through a Super Bowl hangover season. They're just getting a double doink hangover season instead. Uh, Six points is a lot for this Bears team. I think even the Giants can cover that spread. Maybe my most confident pick on the slate is the Raiders minus three against the Jets. I know Oakland is going west to east and the Jets are gaining momentum, but look who they're gaining it against, the Giants and the Redskins. Uh, The Raiders, despite a shaky outing last week against Cincinnati, are carrying themselves like a team bound for the playoffs. I expect them to take care of business and win comfortably against the Jets. Next up, the Lions are favored by three and a half at Washington. You keep picking Washington in the fast five and paying for it. Uh, I will gladly keep picking against the team that you kind of sort of root for. Uh, I don't love being on the wrong side of the hook at three and a half, but uh, Washington is just that bad of a football team. So I'll take the Lions. And lastly, I just realized I'm picking uh, five road teams here, but uh, here goes with the fifth. I'll take the Packers getting three and a half in San Francisco. I'm not sold on either of these teams being quite as good as their records suggest, but It feels like the 49ers have hit that nothing comes easy part of their schedule these last couple weeks. This feels just like it's going to be a close game either way. So uh, give me the Packers with those three and a half points. Hmm, Interesting. Uh, We have two of the same picks, which uh, gives you a a little better chance to stay ahead, but you're only half game ahead. Right. (laughs) I wouldn't get too confident. I'm not too worried about that as it turns out. Right. Uh, I'll start my most confident pick is Bengals plus six and a half at home over the pitiful Steelers. Um, Bengals win this game outright, I think. So uh, Mm. money line pickers, keep an eye on that. Um, Pittsburgh's without its center, by the way, after that little uh, Ah, uh, howdy do uh, (laughs) last week. Um, And most of its skill players are banged up. And no, Mason Rudolph doesn't count as one of those. (laughs) Um, The punishment of the Steelers for a sorry role in that is that he has to play in this game. So (laughs) uh, I I love that game. Uh, Dolphins plus 10 and a half at Browns. You kind of hinted at that. Um, You may have heard that the Browns are down two defensive linemen off that incident. So um, Browns are just terribly coached and uh yeah i'm surprised the line is that big i really am um yeah broncos i'm with you at plus four at the bills my only concern is the status of the broncos offensive line so if you're lucky enough fun like us to be able to wait until sunday morning um check on that first if most of their offensive linemen are playing i love them if not mm, it could be a little dicey um and also uh, packers plus three and a half of 49ers like you uh 49ers are another banged up team i don't expect george kittle nor several other offensive keys to be themselves if they even play at all and the 49ers are not that, that great 
great. I, I was down in the Packers earlier in the year, and I kind of have been won over. So I like that. Okay. And finally, the Ravens minus three, my lone favorite this week at the Rams. Um, it's odd how the Rams offense has turned into a rolling dumpster fire, shall we say, <laughs> but it has. And uh, so I'll go with the Ravens. All right. I, I like those picks. And yeah, you know, now that now that I look at it, Miami plus ten and a half is a is a pretty good one. I'm not sure I, why I didn't stop and uh, consider mm-hmm. that one longer. Uh, I I, uh, I like that pick. I'm not going to make any changes right now, but uh, that's yeah, that's that's a good number there for the Dolphins. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Robert Delafave. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow U.S. Bets at U.S. underscore Bets. Go to U.S. Bets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And with that, John, please do the honors and take us out. Well, Eric, sticking with golf, uh, let me refer to you what sounds like an athlete's ultimate bad beat until they realize that in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that at all. Um, you probably haven't heard of this one, but uh, pro golfer Brandon Matthews had an eight-foot putt on the final hole of a tournament in Argentina on Sunday that he needed to make a, a playoff and potentially get a career-changing victory. would include an invite to the British Open in 2020. Uh, but someone let out a yelp in the middle of his backstroke on that putt, uh, and he missed uh, now, Matthews is a Pennsylvanian, I'll note for your benefit. Um, he quickly was told that the so-called guilty party was an adult man with Down syndrome. Uh, well, Matthews' mom had managed a group home that included many residents with special needs when he was growing up. And his best friend when he was growing up had a sister with Down syndrome. So it turns out that he is as fortunate for that experience as, frankly, I have been. I have a nephew, Sean, who's a kindred spirit. And that's why what happened next was not really as surprising as many seemed to think it was. Um, Matthews asked to meet with the man right away, and he gave him a hug and said that he sought to ease the mind of the fellow, who apparently had been a little overexcited about the intensity of the moment before the putt, so that he would not feel bad about himself. Uh, I want to make sure that he knew that I wasn't mad, he said. You know, some things are bigger than golf, and this was one of them. So if anybody out there loses a bet a difficult way, sure, like those Cardinals plus nine and a half backers on Sunday that we <laughs> talked about, uh, and has a major material impact on your life, well, then you're betting too damn much. So uh, with that, everybody, come on, gamble on.